Do you know someone who is reckless or careless? Maybe someone who brags that can't back it up. Are you willing to take shots at them? Then this is the show for you. Welcome to Cowboy Season. Hello everyone, and that sound means it's another week and another Cowboy season. It's a great day. Today is the first day of the NFL Draft. I'm your host, Matty Ice. With me is Cleve. And Cleve, how are you feeling about the NFL Draft tonight? I just, because things are not normal. There was no combine. Again, I know you and Dave are not big combine guys for the most part. So I get it. But for me, it's kind of like a succession, like the combine, then there's the off-season moves. Then there's the mini camps for the rookies. Um, I'm sorry. Um, then there's the draft, and there's mini camps for the rookies. Then there's preseason, which I know you guys don't care about either. And then there's live fire football. So uh, this year, again, they did a great job last year keeping all the games on the schedule. Now they're adding a another week. Which uh, how do you feel about that? Uh, the extra week that they've added. So man, uh, I have actually some pretty pretty fire feelings about it because to me, it. In a vacuum or like on the surface, um, it seems as if it's pretty, you know, I don't even like innocent because it's like, well, they're not changing the fundamental amount of games that they're playing because they're just really shifting one preseason to another. So I did say I don't like the preseason mainly because I feel like it's more for either your diehard fans who, who, you know, passionately care about every single player that's on the roster until they make the roster. I also feel Mm. that it's more for the coaches and players, right? The coaches to evaluate who they have. And I can't like, it's just difficult for me to, to take three hours of my life because I know that it's not going to be a, it's not going to be good football. Um, I'm not as impassioned about the new guys on the team until they're actually a part of the team. And then I start to care. However, the one thing that has not been talked about about this, which is so interesting, is it really doesn't change to me the revenue that a team can make because they're going to have that game on their slate anyway, because it's collectively bargained that there has to be a finite amount of games. What it does for the players, though, is it takes a game, a preseason game, which they probably wouldn't have played and they would have saved themselves some of those hits, the injuries and so forth. And now they're adding potentially meaningless game that's full contact that they have to play you know all out in and so i can understand it from the player's perspective a little bit where they're like hey wait a minute like what (laughs) come on like now they're 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 being asked to take even more hits when their careers already have a finite shelf life and i'm thinking about your running backs and you mentioned this on pf where you're like you know there's a whole bunch of meaningless games load management's going to be a thing in the nfl and i'm telling you right now load management is killing ratings for the nba and it's not going to help the nfl especially when you already have half of the league after like three weeks are pretty much out of it you know what i mean yeah yeah so now what yeah. so how are we i don't understand how you're going to sell me on week 19 or whatever the hell it is when <laughs> a team is five and 12 or you know five and 11 and so what like it's an extra week of red zone but so many of the games are going to be meaningless because the playoff scenarios in my opinion are going to have been locked up mostly before before yeah by like week 12 yeah 13 or so um yeah i stand by what i said you know it's uh it's great for a guy who's making like shit money because he gets an extra paycheck but for look at the Deshaun watson thing last year when you know he's playing his heart out for for his team they're not going anywhere they're still trotting them out 
mm-hmm. risking injury and stuff like that. So if I'm a quarterback and it's week 12, 13, and we're clearly not going anywhere, you think I want to be tried out another six weeks for what? Yeah. Uh, so I find this, this whole thing to be very interesting. And I think it, it correlates because you as a trainer have a different perspective than I do as a viewer. Now, you know that me as a viewer, I don't view it the same way. I don't feel like these guys should go out there and play for my entertainment. They're humans. They have, you know, physical ailments. They need to take care of themselves and they're taking care of financially, but not all are taking care of themselves financially the same way that, you know, like LeBron obviously makes way more money than whoever the 11th man is on the Lakers. Um, Mm -hmm. But from a fan's perspective, let's take the NBA. Like they don't like load management. And now what you have is you kind of have people and I don't know where you fall on this is why I'm asking it this I'm posing it this way is you have people like Chris Russo who are like hey you know all these guys Bob Cousy played like 50 minutes a game right never missed the game there was no load management back then and now these players today are taking off games because ah we're playing the the Sacramento Kings so I don't need to play today we'll just take the day off uh where do you stand on that because it obviously makes sense for a team to get to the playoffs when so much of the regular seasons don't matter I mean it's 80 something NBA games like all those yeah, things I, don't matter. I look at it. I look at it taking my trainer's hat off for a second, but I look at it as a as a consumer uh, fan. I haven't been to a basketball game, live basketball game. Uh, we, I went to a uh, semi pro game a couple years ago in DC with some friends. <clears throat> Excuse me. And prior to that, the last game that I went to that I could think of, I think Jason Kidd played on the Nets. <clears throat> so that's that's how long ago that was. Excuse me. Um. Think of the consumer. Think of the guy, you know, whatever tickets go for now for an NBA game. Yeah. You want to take your kid. Uh, you may be working like a dog somewhere where you finally get, a, you score a night off, get some tickets, score some tickets, and you're taking your kid to the game. And you get there and four of, oh, I'm sorry, three of the all-stars on the team are out. Mm-hmm. And you're watching, you're watching some bench guys run. It's probably a, a, a defeat that they can take on their, on their schedule. You feel like you got robbed. Like, hey, I came to see LeBron. I came to see Kyrie. I came to see somebody play tonight. And I could have stayed home for this. You know, we've mm-hmm. all been to games as consumers where, you know, I I remember going to a Jets preseason game. They're charging full parking, full everything. And I'm like, it's a fucking preseason game. I don't know any of the guys that's playing, even blocking. It's like all third string guys, whatever, playing. So load management in the, in the NBA from the consumer standpoint, I get it that I would be pissed that I got some tickets. It's on my it's on my schedule to do with my kid or whoever, or, or somebody you know, some buddies, whatever. And then all of a sudden we get to the game and like they're doing like the lineup, and three of the guys are out. You're like, so why are we here? I mean, you're gonna still enjoy yourself but you're paying marquee money to see LeBron James. You're paying marquee money to see Kevin Durant, unless they're hurt, you know, like if they're hurt, they're hurt. That's but if they just yeah. decide to take the night off, I don't know about that. How do you, you know, do you do you feel the same way or what do you think? I think it'd be different if they did what uh, wrestling does where it says like card can change at any time because obviously like in wrestling, you know, they're building you up to like a pay-per-view event and then somebody gets hurt, something happens and they have to switch it up at the last second. So. A lot of people yeah. buy tickets because they want to see The Rock, but then The Rock tears a quad and, you know, they got a yeah. course correct. Yeah, It's a little bit different in the NBA only because, one, they don't make that. Uh, they, you know, this, this is sort of a new thing. I think Greg Popovich is the one who started doing it because he had an aging – he had a team with aging stars. 
Tim Duncan, big fundamental. He uh, his birthday was earlier this week too, by the way. Um, and so Tim Duncan, right? Tony Parker, Ginobili, like those guys played into their 40s. And in order for them to be able to make a, a playoff run, they had to save something during the regular season. And what sucks about it is they always seem to do it not at home, but they did it when they were on the road. Because, yeah, that's where hey, you're gonna get that guy. Yeah. And and that the the sucky part for the fans is like the like take take if it was Michael Jordan like the Bulls didn't play every team multiple times. You might have played them once at their place if you're at a conference or something like that. And it's mm-hmm. it sucks because think about it from the NFL perspective. Like Tom Brady played in Washington, you know, I think three times in his NFL career as a Patriot mm-hmm. in Washington because they only played him every four years. So if that is the year where they're like, you know what, we're eight and one. Uh, we're playing, you know, the Washington football team stinks. Let's uh, let's put in the backup this time. Th- that's the last time those fans get to see Brady for another four years. And so if you're yeah. taking your kid to the game because of that, I definitely understand that perspective. The other thing that stinks too is the owners already feel greedy enough, right? In that they make a lot of money from these these teams. And look at the Browns. The Browns sold for like two billion after the owner paid 800 million and the Browns hadn't had a winning season the entirety almost of his entire and so he still made a ton of money so the owners are making money and now they've got the fans hooked in because hey we're gonna go see LeBron because the Lakers are in town and then you get no LeBron not because he's hurt but because he's like hey you know what I kind of need I need a rest tonight and that sucks I will admit that that sucks and if that starts happening in the NFL it sucks for fantasy football. It sucks for anybody who just likes watching football, who wants to watch these guys play. And for us, you and I have grown. It's funny. Me and you are very similar in our watching habits as opposed to like Dave, who watches everything. And we're like, you know, give me red zone because that gives me just enough of a taste. It's like shots of cocaine, you know, of basically <laughs> the entirety of a Sunday. But we don't have to go full in and buy. Uh, we, you know, we're not dealing. Uh, whereas yeah. Dave is like full dealing and that's just the way for us but like it even makes red zone less appealing because that last game of the season everybody's locked like what happens if everybody's locked in their playoff spots and all these teams are resting players like it's gonna be it's gonna be terrible so i i don't know and does it push the super bowl further back because i already feel like i hate the two weeks in between the super bowl because that first week is useless and we talk about the same shit for two weeks and i don't know like i just feel like it it feels so greedy from the owner's perspective because they want that regular season money when they already make mm. enough damn damn money. <laughs> you know what pushed the Super Bowl back, right? September 11th. It was, it was September 11th, but it, it is now yeah. like yeah. it's part of the paradigm. And I get the rest part. I, I can totally get behind that. It's a long season. Any team that plays deep into the playoffs, like in the NBA, you play into the NBA finals, you're playing until June and the season starts in October again. So your off season yeah. is very limited. Yeah, think of well, think of college football where they they have a month before their championship game, like oh, four weeks. Too. It's like yeah, you you actually forget about the two teams that are in it. You're like, oh, this that's happening again. It's like January eighth on my birthday, and they their season stops right after Christmas. <laughs> it's well, like, if you're what? if you're the, if you're the Big Ten, they used to stop at Thanksgiving <laughs> and then not play until like January tenth, and you're like, that team's got. It's, but think shit. about it. Well, I yeah, so you know, you're on to something here. This is actually really good stuff because I feel like now when you look at how things have changed and how we are uh given given sports at a major level to consume, 
it seems like every so often where it's now made to where it becomes less and less enjoyable and it just keeps lining pockets of people who already have stuffed pockets to begin with like there's yeah. no reason the national championship game needs to be on a monday it, the only reason it's on a monday in january is for prime time stuff because they know nobody's watching anything on monday night but it also yeah. doesn't start till nine o'clock like i i don't know yeah. like I, the national championship game for basketball started at 8 45 what yeah, yeah. Like, well what about the people on the west coast I, I mean i get it but like you can't please yeah. everybody like and those players yep. have to get up and play at not like during the first round uh some of the games the last game started at 10 o'clock at night and i'm like they're in the east coast man like you gotta start you gotta get up all day long i used to i that's why i loved marathons they were at seven in the morning like you get out there and you apply your craft and you go home if i had to wait mm. all day for something that'd be the worst like that would be the wow. absolute worst so i don't know i just I worry about the NFL with this 17 game schedule because I think it's going to be a huge focal point of the next collective bargaining agreement for sure. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. I I I so wholeheartedly agree with that that um you know, and again, these owners are going to be being trotted out their team is. And I would just think about like I said when if you're out of it, like last year, we were out of it by week 8. <laughs> it's like we there's nothing to play for is to watch these games with the Jets. And I'd I'm say like, week, maybe week the... five. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm being, I'm being very generous here. You give an Adam like, Gase yeah. credit where it's not due. <laughs> and I'm like, Jesus, like, okay, so if I'm a season ticket holder, I'm going to these games. And by the way, you know, the best part of going to the Meadowlands, uh, whether you're a Jets or a Giants fan, is the tailgate. The tailgate's epic. I, I have more memories of tailgate, tailgates there. Than actual going to a game where I can remember something happened, you know. So yeah, it's it's something to be seen uh, with this extra uh, this extra schedule here. Let me, um, yeah, go ahead. Quick quick question: tailgating. Uh, what's the best tailgate story you have? Because obviously I went to Virginia Tech, so you know I had four five years of fall football uh, tailgating mm -hmm. stuff. So I I love the tailgate myself. Uh, what's your? Do you have a you have um, a good tailgate story? Yeah, I. <laughs> I, I went to a tailgate uh, with some friends that um that had extra ticket and we show up and we literally didn't pregame, meaning we didn't bring any any alcohol, we didn't bring any food. Uh, we kind of showed up thinking that we're just going to eat in the stadium. But then, of course, everything costs a gazillion dollars in the stadium. So we literally walked around and got invited to so many people's little little uh, scrums that we we were we were full and we were we were nice and toasty oh, within yeah. two hours of the game and i'm like you know it's like everyone green uh bleeds green out there so you got the jersey on they see you i think i had like, like a corvette jersey on or whatever and they're oh, like nice. hey come on over they're like come on over and then we're all eating and it, it you know it was just it was great you know what i'm saying i was when i look at like tailgates i want i want that bill's mafia experience where they're just throwing people through tables and shit you beat me to the great. punch <laughs> you beat me to the punch because i was just thinking to myself that a great uh like on like if we ever went on the road to do a show like we went I, we we would have to go to to a bill's game right like i'll i'll wear the bill's stuff i just want to go from like oh, those tailgate to tailgate there because can you imagine if we were like i mean you and i could almost do like a broadcasting thing from there and like interviewing bill's mafia i that would have to be so much fun so much fun. <laughs> oh my god yes i see a lady get thrown to a table i'm like holy shit i thought she was hurt bro 
Oh, and you know what? Her. She's got bigger balls than we do. <laughs> yeah, I'm not getting thrown to a table. No way. I have a real job to get to in the morning. Crazy. <laughs> Dude, those those tailgates, like, uh, you know, I, my favorite part of the tailgate experience was what exactly what you said was bouncing from, like, camper to camper. Because, like, people would drive, you know, alumni would drive. And it didn't matter if they knew you or not. They saw that you were with them. We all wore the same colors. And, like, they'd be like, hey, you guys want a drink? You guys want some food? And a lot of them would have giant TV set up. And sometimes it was almost mm -hmm. like I didn't want to go to the game because I could actually get a better view sitting yeah. here with, with free shit. Um, yeah. You know, and I always love that part of it. And I'm, I'm looking forward to, like, fans being at the game again because mm -hmm. it is part of the viewing experience. And I do wonder if it will be very easy for us to go back to loving to watch certain things because that element has been back, that connection element has been back. Mm -hmm. I hope so. Um, mm -hmm. Because it's, <sighs> this year has taken away a lot of things that are not just human lives or relationships or what have you. Um, you know, those those night those little things that we used to enjoy have been so much more difficult to enjoy because the the effects of COVID have spanned so many things that it's like a government shutdown. You don't realize how much the government has their hands in on until your local park is closed because the government shut down. And you're like, I can't even yeah. go and like go for a bike ride because the yeah. park is shut down. So yeah. I hope so. And tonight, hopefully, is um, kind of a start of that. But you had wanted to ask me something. So I want to get back to that. Yeah, I um, we're talking about like the the replacements that come in. Basically, um, yeah. you know, we were we were both young when uh, the rep the replacements came in during the mid eighties, mm -hmm. that season where you know football was on strike. Think of you know us going to a boxing match. We're looking to see someone that we probably want to see, and then we find out the guy on his way to the arena whatever something happened to them so they're not going to either have the mm -hmm. main event or you know they're going to step a guy in usually they if they, if someone gets clipped or hurt in camp they get someone in right away and it's usually an upset fight or a snore where a guy just eliminates another guy like destroys him would you be upset going to a fight and then you didn't get to see the headline that you wanted to see uh i guess it would depend on which which aged you know, Matt, you're talking about here, but like, if it was due to an injury, that would be different. It would be disappointing for sure, because you obviously like hyped yourself up to where you want to go see that person, you know, apply their craft and you feel bad for yourself because they're not there and you feel bad for um, the, the, the player, or the boxer, because they're, you know, they're, they're injured. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but if it was something like a money dispute or they just didn't feel like it, uh, I probably would be a little peeved about it because I don't have insight like when it's an injury you're at least told that right oh there's an injury like you can you know you can you can uh empathize with that but if it's just oh the main event's been canceled like that's happened with wwe so many times where they advertise a match and then it just doesn't happen and they never fucking say anything about it and you're like you just gotta brush it over wow. well it just they, they, they don't even try to brush it over it's just as if it never happened and it's like man they <laughs> they advertise for me to see Randy Orton against this guy and then neither of those guys were on the show and it's like if I paid to tickets to go see that I'd be pissed especially <laughs> especially yeah. at like a Wrestlemania price ticket where you're talking like 150 bucks a ticket for like decent ish seats um, yeah. and so I, I it is tough I, I will admit um, 
but you talked about like the replacement players coming in um it's interesting because i think if you fall on the side of unions you generally tend to side with like the players but those guys that come in those replacement players they you know colloquially call them scrubs they're in a tough spot because these are guys who this might be another chance for them right this might be a chance for them to to make it to the big club once things happen uh do you fault those those players from trying oh to no it it's i i would never fault in any in any uh in anything whether it's sporting arena life you know uh if you're a stand-in and this is your moment you better make you better make it your best moment you know i um i had a uh had a discussion with a with a client about this uh they're new to boxing and they're like what do you think about jake paul they're announcing him in mayweather i was like i have no fucking interest whatsoever he's like why you don't think jake paul's i was like he hasn't earned anything yet I like this guy just had had a pay per view, and then, then he had a big a big moment against Nate Robinson, whatever. But I'm like, you know, that's this tells me that boxing can't make fights where this guy's headlining, and this guy's being promoted. And honestly, I don't blame him. Good for him. Why would he say I don't want to do this? You know, when when he's he's trying to make a career of this in some mm -hmm. fashion, um, I can't blame him for not taking the moment. You know, if I, I remember watching a, a game once where the singer of the national anthem couldn't, they got stuck in a snowstorm or some shit. And a cop that was there sung the national anthem and he actually got, you know, got some praise for it. And it was his moment. He was like, you know what? Big moment, step up. This is my shot. People might notice me. I might got a singing career coming up or something like that. I would never blame someone for stepping up. But then again, that that goes to be, you know, that's that's enough to be said about where we are where where if you go into a, a a football game and you know starting quarterback gets hurt and the the backup steps in and has a monster game mm -hmm. becomes the hot hand right so starter is out for another three weeks this guy's gonna run you know run the table and you know think about teddy and and drew where it, it comes up where you're like shit you know drew's our guy but you know this guy flashed flashed in the pan for us that we might be able to salvage our season here. Yeah, know? and you bring up an an interesting point there because that's an to me that's an interesting debate. First of all, sports is a very cutthroat business in that Oh yeah. Your your availability in terms of physical ability um, is is paramount to your success because you as a commodity or an asset to whatever franchise it is that you represent uh, your abilities are what they are paying for, and your availability is what they're counting yes. on, right? Yes. You and I Huge. have reg you and I, as Bill Cosby once said, are regular people, right? We have regular jobs. Um, if we need to take a sick day, we can do that. Somebody else isn't going to step into our place, you know, on one, you know, taking one day. In the NFL, you're out for one game. It only takes one guy, one game, to take that mantle from you. And that's why I say it's a cutthroat business. So you said on PF that you felt as if certain guys who were asked to be the franchise leader uh, weren't available because of injuries that it, it did create. It made them a, uh, a bust in terms of investment. And I know mm -hmm. that Dave disagreed with you on that. And I wasn't there for that combo to, to chime in. But uh, I I wholeheartedly actually agree with you in the, because I think of it and I don't and I whatever you know like 
however people take this, but I think of these players as sort of investments. Like you're you're buying a, a stock option, so to speak. And when you buy into a brand, which is what they're doing with these players, you hope to get a return on your investment, especially mm -hmm. especially at the top of the draft board. Like you're not asking your fourth round linebacker to do that for you. You're hoping to get you know bang for your buck value there. But when you draft a guy number one overall, you're absolutely hoping that he hits in a way that is changing for you. And I mm -hmm. hate to say this, but like, and, and this is just the way that it is, but if Trevor Lawrence starts to play and he's hurt a lot, he's a bust because he is not coming to fruition to what the Jacksonville Jaguars were hoping for taking him there. And that's why I feel like as much as RG3 had nothing to do with his injuries and there was a lot of other extracurriculars that went with it with the coaching staff the schemes all that mm -hmm. they 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 picked him where they picked him to change the franchise around and be the the ferrari in their car collection and mm -hmm. he ended up being a lemon unfortunately yeah um the thing that i didn't get to um debate dave on offline or online on pf with rg3 because again he's a special circumstance with this guy he didn't know how to fucking slide. They brought a couple of the Nats guys in to help to teach him how to slide. Like he's running and there's like, bro, you need to get the fuck down. Like you can't do this. So I, I again, I always say the best ability, the best ability in sports is availability, being, being there. That's why I argue that, that I would feel he's a bust. You mentioned um, when a guy steps in and has to, has to do it. The greatest uh, example of that was last season when Terod Taylor got a punctured lung from some idiot doctor and the guy missed another shot because remember mm -hmm. he missed a shot in in baltimore if i'm not if i'm not uh um wrong here when flacco, flacco yeah so he missed a shot there because he had the flu or something i think he was something he had a sickness flacco comes in lights it mm -hmm. up it's history right mm -hmm. everywhere the guy's gone the guys never complained the guy plays or whatever i think he's a great quarterback he's a great mop-up guy but this guy was got got to san diego was gonna start guy punched his lung and then they never looked back on on him getting in games it's crazy yeah. tyrod taylor um i have a you know a personal love for tyrod taylor he's a virginia tech grad um by all accounts seems to be a great guy great teammate uh he's definitely the kind of guy that you want to have on your team uh, mm -hmm. but and and the thing about him was he was never he wasn't really drafted to be the guy if that makes sense no yeah he's made the best of it his opportunities and had some really crappy luck and for him i don't consider him like a bust right because no. he's the kind of guy you want on your team but um these guys that right now that we're talking about by the way i don't know if you agree with this but i feel like this is the most overanalyzed draft that we've ever had and i don't know if oh, it's yeah. because we there's are, five quarterbacks well, I, I don't know. <laughs> is that what it is for you? Like, is it is it the quarterbacks or is it just that's we that's what it is? Because remember, drafts have passed. You know, I mean, Keyshawn Johnson went number one in 1995 or whatever it was. Like, mm -hmm. remember when Mario Williams went number one? You know, over um, Reggie Bush, right? Yeah. So we're looking mm -hmm. at we're looking at you know Trevor Lawrence being in this a generational talent, and then leading off with four other guys that are. I don't know if they're in the, even in the company, this guy, because like I said, he's in a superior conference, right? I Ohio gotta, State, I, it's fair. Eh, Ohio I State, gotta tell you. they played five I gotta tell fucking you. games this year. I got to tell you, 
generational talent that actually saw that this morning. And I don't know how I missed it over the last few weeks, probably because <laughs> I've tuned it out. But I was like, that's bullshit. Like, <laughs> for, for Trevor Lawrence or, the, or yes. just the word or the word because to me generational is 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 actually Dan Marino best quarterback I see the 83 draft was probably quarterback fucking glory draft that was a quarterback glory draft a generational talent is something that redefines the generation in which they play Patrick yeah. Mahomes is the generational talent <laughs> of right now there's nothing that's going to change my mind on that it's not really a hot take either and the reason why it, I felt like it was bullshit that they said about Trevor Lawrence is because it's uh patently unfair it's just very mm -hmm. unfair to him because he is very skilled that is that's not up for debate like of the quarterbacks that they have over analyzed he clearly has the highest ceiling he's also been in the biggest game situations but we didn't say patrick mahomes was a generational talent when they took him and now we're saying it because we are seeing that those to make somebody a generational talent there's just so many factors that are intangibles Dan Marino is not any less of a generational talent because he never won the Super Bowl. That is more the team failing to build, build around, around what they had. Had Dan Marino been playing in today's NFL, which is a pass-heavy game, do you know how kind of numbers he'd put up? You probably have seven thousand. Probably have a seven thousand yard season. I, 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 I literally think he would have a seven thousand yard. At least one and, of one of his seasons would be a seven thousand yard season. Easy, and that's because of because of the bump and run. Like you, you, our receivers mm -hmm. can't be hindered, or whatever. Yeah, and not to mention, uh, you know, he his statistics were well past what the times were dictating back then. And uh, it's funny because Dave you know, had the take about how, you know, running backs and so forth, but that was always the biggest issue with those Dolphin teams when he was there is they didn't have a dynamic offense because that was what the game dictated back then. You needed mm -hmm. a running game. You, 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 and, and so there was so many different factors to it. Uh, but I, I don't know. I saw it this morning and I just was rubbed the wrong way because I'm like, that's not really fair because most of the Is it anything in but the NFL? Look, Tom Brady, you could consider him a generational talent in winning, and he was a six-round pick. Like, 199. 199, ev bro. Everybody, including the Patriots, missed on him six times in the, <laughs> <laughs> in the same draft. So I don't know. Like I I, I, I get really the, the, the hyperbole that gets thrown around at the draft, like when they're there, this this poor kid that the Jets are probably gonna take, uh, what's his name? Zach uh, Wilson, Zach, right? Yeah. And they're like, he reminds me of Patrick Mahomes because he can throw across his body on the run. And I was like, I've said this a thousand times. That is something that you tell every quarterback that's not named Patrick <laughs> Mahomes to never fucking do. And I'm pretty Ever. sure if you, if you didn't have Andy Reid, there would be always always head head bumping in the in the meetings like, hey, what are you doing out there? Andy's like, you know what? I believe in it. Make it happen until I see that it doesn't work. Let's keep doing it. Dude, the first Andy, few, and he's a player's coach. But the first few times that happened, it was probably a no, 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 yes. Right? Yeah. Because <laughs> you don't know what you have. And so I, I don't know. Like Jesus. and the funny part about it is, um, like, so Mel Kuyper is considered the what, like preeminent, oh. preeminent, but well, the preeminent draft guy's been doing it for a really long time. But he's like a weatherman. Years. But he's like yeah. a weatherman, right? Fucking because guy. He's wrong a lot. He has great hair, but he's wrong a lot. Um, <laughs> um, he has—he had a great head of hair for a long time. That like uh, Mike, like I don't even know how to describe it, but it was like the flowing, like slick back sort of thing. But he even acknowledges that he's wrong a lot of the time because it's an inexact science. 
And think about how much money we're putting into an inexact science that we don't put anywhere else. Like you and I, like if you and I are having work done to our house, we want to renovate our house. We are doing our due diligence. We're making sure that we get somebody who is a you know, home run. We can do that. Can't do that here because you're projecting ahead. You're projecting because you buy a contractor because of what they've done. And you yeah. know that, that that predicts their future. Here, you're talking about what they've done on an amateur level doesn't translate to what they've done on a pro level. Even in boxing, even in boxing, where Lomachenko had like 400 amateur fights, it doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to be a good pro. But what it does tell you is that he's seen all the scenarios that he could possibly see. Yeah. So his, so his ceiling is higher. And you made yeah. that point about these kids who go to these small schools. Now, they've there's also an initiative to be uh, you know, drafting and highlighting players from HBCUs. I don't know if you saw that. Like they're trying to yeah. get eyes on that. They're on combine as well. Yeah, awesome. and, oh, and how do you, no? You good? How do you feel about that? Because you have you you're on record talking about how conference matters, and these these kids are playing at obviously a much lower level of competition. Uh, do you think that's well, good overall for a culture thing, or do you think that uh, there is like merit to it from a football perspective? Well, well, here's the thing um, about about the SWAC um, is where they play. If you wanted to see Michael Vick versus Michael Vick, you go see one of those games. Yeah. You want to see some some really good running back play. You want to see receivers going out for big for big grabs. It's actually way more exciting than watching the Pac-10 to me or watching um, the ACC in, in some instances, some schools. I'll give and, you a pass on that one. I agree yeah, with you. I would, I would, I would actually want to see one of these schools play another, you know, like another school, like a, a school in one of these other, you know, like school in the Pac-10 or whatever. You know, the SEC maybe not because that's it's different ball game from recruiting. But again, you know, these these guys aren't getting the looks because their schools are not on the radar. You know, Jerry Rice went to a school. So did Steve McNair, Alcorn State. Yep. You know where. You know, this guy came out, his his numbers there, again, it's, it's against when you look at the SEC, because I, I don't think the other conferences are that great. So that's why I, I separate the SEC. Um, he's throwing seven touchdowns by halftime, and he's in street clothes. He's only playing, you know, three three quarters, whatever. And he's like, I I'm, think I'm done here, coach. I'm just going to, like, watch you guys run mop up. And, again, it's against talent that's equal to what they're playing, but it's exciting football. For them to have a separate um, combine and and a separate uh, look, it's kind of disheartening because again, it shows how big college football is, but it also shows that, you know, where you go to school matters. If you mm -hmm. if you have a ton of offers, you know, if you have a ton of offers, think of like Richard Sherman saying, I'm, "I want to go to Stanford." He mm -hmm. probably could have went anywhere anywhere he wanted, but he went to Stanford. It's like, you know, why would you not? Because you have to think about. Am I using football as a as a sounding board to get in the NFL, or am I using football to get a degree? And maybe the NFL may happen along the way as well, you know. So I I, I look at guys that you pick a like guys that go to Alabama, you got to be good. But then you're in the lineage of running backs or or whatever. Like it's like Derrick Henry, Alvin Kamara, um, all these guys on the same team, and they're like they're running back by committee. Where you know this guy puts up two hundred one one game the other guy like you know what i'm gonna put up 250 you know and then the and then the next guy puts up 300 yards you're like holy shit three running backs on the same team and these guys are like waiting their time to get in and just get out 
yeah um do you put any stock into the fact that these hbcus are like is it is there any racial element to it that's that goes undocumented or is it just that they're smaller schools they they don't have the same resources and that's why they they play you know in the conferences that they play they just don't have the people because like i think that does factor into it a little bit where wake forest is kind of an anomaly they have so few people because they're a private school but yet they're in a power five conference mm -hmm. uh but a lot of these small schools just don't have the infrastructure to compete yeah. with these teams and yeah. uh but an interesting uh paradigm shift has been so many uh former players have now be gone to becoming head coaches at that level and you know Deion sanders uh is, a, is mm -hmm. a prime example and i will say this from a business standpoint that's actually a very brilliant idea for those schools oh, yeah. because the, the second that Dion steps on the campus whether they win or not it adds legitimacy to the program yeah. And I really, I really like that they are giving back to the the black community in that way. By, I mean, obviously they're getting paid, but you know, Deion Sanders is a Hall of Famer. He could probably be a coach somewhere else, right? Like in the college ranks, because he's Deion Sanders. Uh, mm -hmm. I really kind of, I really am kind of digging that, and I do hope that a lot of these players, because there's a lot of talent down there that just goes unnoticed, like like you mm -hmm. talked about. Uh, I mean, I think mm -hmm. even Doug Doug Williams, first black quarterback to win a Super Bowl, uh, Grambling, I think. Grambling, um, yeah. Right? Yeah. And now my father used to tell me about those schools because they had the best bands, like the, oh, yeah. the, the halftime show. Oh, that's all. That, that's a, you get a scholarship as a drum major. Scholarship. You get a scholarship as being anything in the band. The thing, too, about, about that is that it, it, it helps recruiting because you're, you're, um, you're going to learn from someone who who's been there, who's been at a high level in the NFL. I, I think Deion Sanders. I, I, I don't know him as an X's and O's guy, but I know that he's about winning and he's about and that team took off and that team is doing good. And there's there's kids that, you know, may not go there, but they're giving it a second thought. It says, oh, wow, you know what? If I go here, I might get a shot to play now versus you know, Nick Saban telling me, hey, we got three great running backs. We'd like to add you to the fold. You're like, but what am I going to play when I'm a senior or mm -hmm. a junior or three guys get hurt and I, I, I get a shot? It's like, I want to play because, again, I look at it as like, are you using, are you using your, your talent to get a degree or are you using your time to, to become a professional football player in that regard? Um, one of the things that I, I, um, I guess when it comes down to – you asked me about the racial element to it. Um, college football, college football games, right? Um, that they stopped making, obviously, because of the Ed O'Bannon decision back in the day. There was, I think it was 11 or 12, 10, 11, and 12 had a recruiting um, map. Mm -hmm. And none of the schools in the SWAC were ever on there. Mm -hmm. um, certain conferences were limited. Like, they didn't make, so you only can recruit from, like, certain parts of the, the U.S. map because you didn't get like recruits from and then they kind of fixed it in like one of the last ones but mm -hmm. then like you get like a two-star recruit from tennessee state but you're getting like a four-star recruit from anyone that lives in ohio and you're like what yeah. the fuck like you know it's just crazy so yeah I, I think there's an element element there but i think it's because college colleges i'm sorry the college game is so expansive it's too much to follow like you, you either got to follow a conference or like me, I, I watch when it comes down to like the the uh, the run for the championship. You know, it doesn't if I catch a game here and there. Back in the day, I was a Miami fan because 
of not because of the, I mean, the play was outrageous, but I was more of a fan of the antics and all the shit that they were doing. Like they were just killing people. And I'm like, wow, these, you know, this is, this is happening. Um, I loved Michael Vick when he was at tech, you know? So I watched a couple of, a couple of games just because I wanted to see a, a player. But nowadays it's just too many games, too many games, too many conferences, too many. And then you get games like you, you, uh, what is it? UCF can't get into to play mm -hmm. Alabama for a legitimate championship. And I'm like, on a neutral playing field, these this is the undefeated whatever, but because they're in a fucking conference that no one cares about, boom. Ohio State gets the goalpost move for them because they're all, all, because they're Ohio State. It's bullshit. They get the goalpost move for them because they are a revenue bringer. And this is the part this is mm. the part about this that really gets me going. We could talk about this forever because I have totally changed my tune on this from when I was younger and I've changed a few people's tunes on it. The idea of amateurism in big time college sports. And I think that there is there's a distinction to be made because basketball and football clearly bring in the most revenue of all college sports, right? Mm -hmm. Like obviously you're co like even at like Johns Hopkins where lacrosse is king or you know queen or whatever. Uh, mm -hmm. the, it does not bring in nearly the kind of revenue that football brings in. So those athletes, I feel like that's where the discussion is for me. Like, I don't talk about the paying athletes part for all of them because it gets really complicated because all the other mm -hmm. athletes, like if you're on the golf team, lacrosse team, swim team, there's opportunities for you to you know, monetize yourself, but it's a lot less likely because we're not watching swimming every weekend, right? We're not watching nope. that, right? And it's just because it's a more niche sport. Uh, but the, this idea that like these players go there and it's like amateurism is such a joke now because the millions and millions and millions of dollars that are being thrown around uh, with these with these kids out there um, is just absurd. And it's never really mm -hmm. it's never like the purity of the amateurism has lost is lost for me now because when I watch it, I feel like I'm watching a professional product like when the teams run out for the national championship, every single person in the arena is making some kind of money off them except for themselves. Tells you everything that you need to know. And I just, I don't know, like the whole concept of the draft is interesting. The whole concept of like the amateur sports and how we, how we've decided or decided to like <laughs> dole out uh, justice or jurisprudence with uh, well, Ohio State should make it because, well, it wasn't their fault that they didn't play six games. The, you made that <laughs> rule for a reason, and you're bucking the trend because you don't want to see Indiana in a bowl game. Well, it's not really how it works. Like, it just, it, I don't know. Like, I'm hoping that that was a one-year thing and it goes away. Um, but what I do love, to go back to the draft, is there are a lot of really good feel-good stories in the draft, and I don't even consider those in the first round. I mean, there there's good ones there, too, but... Uh, when you see those guys, like sometimes the best thing of the draft is Mr. Irrelevant, like, yeah, who's like, yeah. oh my God, I can't believe, I mean, I was picked in one of the seven rounds. Like to me, yeah. that's a, that's a lifetime achievement. Even if he never makes a team, your name is on the draft list for the rest of time. Yeah. You've made it to the, you made, there's a ton of guys that didn't even get invited to the combine, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, when, when that was going on, you know, guys don't get invited to the comp. was, I never knew until a few years ago. I thought that if guys didn't go because you just felt like, well, I don't need to run a 40. They, they've seen me in games do it, you know? Um, I didn't know that there were limited spots and it, it would, it makes sense because it would take forever if you invited every fucking guy 
uh, from every conference, from every team. It's it'll take forever to kind of weed out who you want. But you know, yeah, the um, I'm 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 in the camp of um, of paying these guys. Or if you're not going to pay them, let them capitalize on, on their likeness, whether it's a video game or whether they can sell their own jerseys, um, whether they can, you know, uh, generate income outside of outside of the program. Because, again, when Zion tore through his shoe, Coach K was mad because he's like, hey, you know what? You, you could have cost me a player, but Nike had to make it up to Zion. Like, OK, well, we'll make it up in a hundred million dollars contract shoe, shoe deal once you get out of Duke. Because again, we just a prime time game. The president, ex-president Obama was at. He ripped through your shoe, didn't get to play. Cause that was a game where he didn't get to play because he got hurt. He didn't get to play. And you're like, I came, I came to see this guy. But obviously they had, you know, they had a lot of other guys on Duke that were good, but it's like I came to see the show tonight. He got really lucky. Go. He got really lucky because <laughs> oh, the yeah. way that, that the way that, that shoe broke and the way that his knee could have been tore oh, up yeah, yeah. Uh, but he got he got what he he wanted because he actually nike didn't just uh sanction Make his right. own shoe it was a jordan brand shoe which is a big deal <laughs> yeah that actually just dropped today the zion one or whatever it's actually a pretty nice looking shoe it's a basketball shoe obviously but uh you know definitely a uh, definitely nice looking shoe so he got it so um well you know what man <laughs> I do look forward to, to watching tonight basically because I love to watch um, all the overreactions that people have over, over you know, the draft picks and so forth, whether it's in one direction of, oh, this is the future. And like you've heard that how many times from, um, you know, how many times have you heard that from uh, the Jets? So like, oh, it's the next guy, the new guy, right? And you're like, yeah, sure, whatever. Um, I mean, think about the Cleveland Browns and the Detroit Lions. I mean, how many, how many guys went went there? It was like, fuck, man. Like, you know, I I don't get to pick where I get to go necessarily, but I mean, the 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 Browns had so many quarterbacks, so many quarterbacks. I think the last great quarterback they had prior to because I I actually owe Mister Mayfield an apology because I never I never considered. How much change and disturbance and turmoil he had like it's unfair to put a guy in that he's had three coordinators three head coaches hugh jackson <laughs> for all intents and purposes like as a as a head coach and you and you say hey you know what you kind of make it here but someone talked to him someone got him right and the guy's mm-hmm. stud so you know but i think about before him probably bernie kozar who was like the last guy there you know? What was uh, I think it was uh, what you call it? Kelly Holcomb was the last quarterback to take them to the playoffs before. Uh, I think that was I in like, two thousand and two. I didn't know who the fuck that is. Like it's <laughs> really, yeah. I think, no, yeah. I, <laughs> I don't even know who that is. I, I honestly like, don't know who that is. You're like holy I don't know shit. That is. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Kelly, so wow, Kelly Holcomb. Uh, anyway, Jesus. Well, you know what? That's a great segue because uh, we got to get in uh, our, our weekly segment every week. Yeah! Take, <laughs> take it away. All right. So my my cowboy of the week, um, and I, I had to think about this. Uh, I had to think about this. Is one and only Dan Olofsky from the. <laughs> the ESPN gang of, of talking heads 
And Dan basically is saying that a lot of teams need to trade up to get these quarterbacks because who they've got on their current rosters ain't going to pan out. And for all intents and purposes, it's kind of disrespectful to me that a rookie who's not proven himself at all, other than playing in some, some, some college games, whatever, can walk in and just pretty much, not that they're going to do this, but the way Dan's saying is like, you got to give the keys to the kingdom to Zach Wilson. Um, the Jets, I mean, we don't have anybody that, so he's going to walk into possibly getting the job if, if we draft him. Yeah. But if, if you're going to, if you're going to Denver, if you're going to uh, a team in need of a quarterback, the Eagles, whoever, the guy that's there deserves the respect to say, well, listen, man, you know, I've kind of been here a year or two and, how it's kind of going but you don't walk in like you're the man trevor lawrence should not walk in and, and look at garden Minshew like he's not shit you know garden Minshew's played in nfl games so trevor lawrence plays it down in distance i don't care what you did at clemson it doesn't matter you gotta now you gotta play against all american um all conference uh pro bowl type corners yeah. where these Steve receivers better get separation or that ball's coming, you know. And again, he probably has the highest ceiling, but I don't get I don't get caught up in, in the hype of, of guys coming in. And I think Dan Orlovsky is the last person to talk about these guys' careers, whether they're coming in or whether they're sitting there right now, because he's done shit to deserve to do that. If they, if this was if this was Romo talking, if this was any anyone of note and merit that has played the game, that has played, you know, successful at the game, they should get to say whatever they want for the most part. But again, but again, this guy talks like like he knows everything. And I just I just don't get why he's he's a fucking analyst on 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 ESPN. Don't get it. Maybe That's my guy. Maybe it's because uh like some of the best analysts or guys that never really made it like they were smart enough but didn't have the physical uh, abilities to do so uh but i'm i'm just not a huge fan of his to be honest um i'm just not a, he's not his opinions don't really mesh with with the, the way i look at things um like we are right when he when he said dak wasn't worth the, the money that they were Christ. paying him i was like okay i don't know like <laughs> okay jim <laughs> yeah kind of right so uh i mean he's he's a good choice just because he's a good choice for me um i'm gonna go with one and i, I hope this isn't controversial because I, I want you to hear me out on this but i'm going with lebron um so last okay. week last week uh we had the uh the Derek chauvin verdict which you know we we didn't talk about but i don't think we need to i think we you know we've talked about it offline enough um, and then I believe it was on the same day there was another uh, shooting, another officer involved shooting. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think you probably saw this one and it was where the uh, police were called to to the scene of a house where there was a domestic dispute. The cop, you know, we saw the video, the cop showed up and said, hey, you know, what's going on here? Two ladies came basically tumbling out of the house. Um, you know, one of the ladies had a knife and yep. look, pinned her against the car, looked like he was she was going to stab the woman and the cop you know, discharged his firearm. Um, and LeBron basically tweeted that after the verdict and said, you're next. And it was basically mm. a, like oh. a shot across the bow of the cop to say, 
we're coming for you next. And he had to kind of walk that back a little bit because a lot yeah. of people, a lot of people rightfully so took it as he's saying like, we need to go after this guy. And yeah, that was a, that was a different um, scenario. I, I think split second decision-making uh, possible loss of life for someone else. Cause their job is to protect the public. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you're wielding a knife on someone else, that that split second that you're looking for a taser or looking to take them down physically, this person could be stabbed multiple times. So I'm mm -hmm. not saying, you know, but this is this is the job that a cop has. It's like I have to make a split second decision. You know, there's we've seen egregious things where a guy's running with his hands up and gets shot in the back. Okay, that's mm -hmm. fucked up. Yep. But I've seen a ton of videos where cops have have someone swinging a baseball bat at them or they're coming at them with a knife or they're coming at someone else with something and you're like okay uh i have to assess this threat what do i do here so that one is a little different for me but i didn't i saw that he deleted a tweet but i didn't know what it was so i yeah. saw that they said that he deleted a tweet yeah that's what it was and i think it would i feel like it was that video that he that he quoted and you know i don't know like i just I, I understand the, the, the point. I understand that we want accountability for these things. And I understand that somebody like him has a platform, has a voice, and he should be using that voice. But I guess what I don't like is it, it it's exactly what we have accused so many like Trump supporters of doing for the last four and a half years, inciting mm -hmm. violence, inciting division. And just because there is a shoot like he i think he even tweeted about it before the um whatchamacallit before the video had even surfaced and when you watch the video i watched it several times and i'm like mm -hmm. that cop had to make a decision in as you pointed out a split second and they stopped the footage and the lady has the knife she has she is swinging around with it and it's like she's gonna stab that woman yeah. and I know that if I was the person on the end of potentially being stabbed, I would hope that the officer makes some kind of a decision. decision yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think one of the things I heard that was a little ridiculous to me was the fact that, Oh, why they can't shoot you in the leg or whatever. And I'm like, two people are tumbling. That's um, not easy to do. Yeah. I was like, I was like, hey, you know, I've shot guns. I, I, you know, I go to a range when I could. And I'm like, I don't know if, you can do all of that in a split second you know oh, no split second it's so so hard and that's what i said on my uh i did a episode about the verdict and i'm like this is a good thing in terms of accountability like let's say that transparency and accountability a good thing however um policing is not an easy job oh no even with the best oh. of training the best of training it's not an easy job the resources are not the same across the board and not every situation is the same like at the end of it all the police in some fashion they are humans and they're put into dangerous situations and they have to make a call based off of their training now they should be making the right call based off of expertise they should be reading the situation properly all that good stuff right all the stuff that we hope for de-escalation and so forth like we talked about the person with the expired tags and it's like what's the rush let that person go you have their information you can go find them in this yeah. case when the when an officer rolls up and calmly is like hey everybody you know what's going on and then two people come tumbling down the hill and one of them's got a knife 
the situation yeah. changes in an instant and you have to make yeah. a decision and so lebron i think yeah. was a little bit misguided in his uh in his initial reaction so that's why i had him there because you don't want people going mm -hmm. after this this police officer like especially I, I when now that we've now that we've seen it it looks like it was a warranted decision given the fact yeah i i definitely i definitely agree I know we're running a little bit over here. My runner-up was Rudy Giuliani. Um, got his apartment raided yesterday. It's amazing how this guy's arc has gone Agreed. from... He's gone from, like, one of the toughest prosecutors against organized crime, uh, mayor of a great city, which is, like... If you're mayor of New York City, it's, like, the third best job in the country, other than vice president. Mm -hmm. Like, the third best job in the country. And then you link up with a guy... And you do a lot of stuff that's kind of weird. And now you get your place raided and you're treating, you're getting treated like a common criminal. You know, again, I don't know all, all the facts here, mm -hmm. but I do, but I do understand at on some level that, you know, if there's smoke, there's fire and they're gunning for this guy. Like something's some someone's gonna have to give up something. So well, here we are. There if there's fire in his apartment it's because it's warm and that means that his hair plugs are bleeding again so there's that uh, <laughs> my my runner-up is uh, rick santorum because he's an idiot and Oof. apparently thinks that Na thinks that uh, native american history is not part of american history because go fuck yourself so yeah. um that's my thing here um yeah. well you know what man um i hope the draft goes well tonight um you know i'm hopeful that you and dave can join us if we can get this working properly and um you know let's just hope that our teams do the right thing but i just hope i want it to be entertaining and it will be nice to to feel some semblance of normalcy again so uh good yeah. show man and uh definitely appreciate you and again congrats on uh, you and dave resurrecting i hope you guys have a good season all right brother sounds good um we'll see you tonight yep catch you later